Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Connecting Dots podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And today we're going to be joined by a senior specialist in test automation at Ericsson. And I'm very excited to be interviewing him today. One of the particular reasons would be that he had been a co-op within the organization. And with his determination and consistency, he has risen through the ranks and now he's in a technical leadership role. With that, let's get right into it. How are you doing today, Atif? I'm good, Alhamdulillah. How are you, Osama? I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for asking. I'll start off by asking you about the current role that you have within the organization. How do you contribute as a senior specialist towards the organization? Okay. So, a uh, senior specialist, um, some people compare it to like a test lead or some people say it's like equal to a test manager. Um, to be honest, I'm still figuring it out what it's, uh, because it's a, a relatively new term in the IT or the telecom industry. I'm basically responsible for our test automation strategy. So I have uh, around uh, five sites. Two of them are in Sweden, uh, one in China, Beijing, and uh, one in Texas and here one in Ottawa. So we have five sites that are under me. So I have uh, test automation leads and test architects that work under me and I drive the test automation strategy. Uh, in terms of uh, strategy, what, what it involves is uh, basically uh, making sure that all the new features that are being developed in 5G uh, our test frameworks have the support for those features. And another big part for, of my job is to basically uh, supervise and overlook uh, the AI and ML initiatives that are taken within the company. So I'm working on a couple of projects in AI and ML as well. Another thing I'm responsible for is to handle any kind of escalations that are related to test automation, as well as um, making sure that all of our test automation developers and all the sites are trained and have uh, the core competence that, that's needed for, for them to excel in their job. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, I would build upon that, that in order for someone to overlook the operations and come up with the design and feasibility for projects, one has to have a strong foundation in that domain. Uh, considering your story, how can one achieve that confidence and experience? Yeah, um, I guess um, there is no replacement for experience itself, but there's, there's few ways I could break it down for you. So as you know, I started as a co-op in back in 2016. I worked as a software tester, then a test framework developer, then a, then a code guardian for a repository, then an architect and now a senior specialist. So I guess wearing different hats within an MNC really helps you get uh, like an end-to-end -end, um, uh, experience of the company and also, uh, you know, you get an end-to-end -end understanding of the product. And I would say other than your technical skills, your soft skills as well, like uh, communication skills and your presentation skills also matter a lot. Uh, especially if you work in a Swedish company, uh, those matters are more valuable than your technical skills, to be honest. I myself come from a computer science background. I don't have a telecom background. But I guess in order to exceed, you could either take a niche and then just, you know, go specialize in it like I did. Or you could have like a generic understanding of the whole product. For example, some people... Um, for, for example, yourself, you worked in test and then you worked on, on the customer end as well. I did not do that. I just, picked, I just picked up a specific niche and I just went in uh, ahead. So there's two ways to do it. And I guess soft skills, technical skills, and um, I guess patience to learn and the drive that you have. I think these are the major things uh, that you have. These days, it's kind of hard for people to stick on to one company for a long period of time. But I guess as long as you're getting the opportunities within the company, and as long as you're not stuck either horizontally or vertically within the company, I guess it's a, it's a good thing to stay and learn about it. Otherwise, if you feel like you're stuck, then yeah, you can move. 
now that you've mentioned that point that these days uh, it's not very usual for people to stick to with an organization for too long so in your opinion how should organizations shape themselves so that they can improve the retention of employees um well it all depends um on on the company itself and the employee uh, I, i because i've also been uh, majorly involved in hiring people as well so from co-ops to specialists to developers to testers and people working in ci as well so i would say um in terms of um what companies can do i would say you know there is a difference uh, of uh, culture uh, within different companies here in ottawa if you're working for an american company or if you're working for a swedish company and then the work life balance as well so it also depends on the demographic of people you're hiring so for example somebody who was like a family man like myself would prefer um more work life balance than a long hours with a very high paying salary whereas somebody who has just graduated fresh out of school wants to buy a tesla <laughs> wants to save up some money and it's just going to go you know whoever pays the most and whoever gives you know them the most recognition in terms of work considering that you have uh, grown through the ranks from once being a co-op to now being in a technical leadership role what kind of cultural shift have you observed throughout this transition so to be honest for me um i guess uh i thought it'll be harder to move into like a managerial senior position from being you know a junior to intermediate to a senior developer but um, i found people more welcoming and uh, because you know once you have a title and once you have an authority to make decisions um i guess um, uh, it's easier you so you can put your word forward but then again um it all depends on on where you're working as a, for example ericsson as you know is a swedish company so they have a, uh, they have a culture of collaboration and because we are a remote site and our headquarters are in sweden so it takes up more of our energy to convince them to make a change um so yeah that's the only thing that i've uh, that i've noticed uh, in terms of a change whereas when i was a developer i was just responsible for my work as long as i'm meeting my sprint days i should be okay and now i'm responsible for more than 30 40 people to drive the test automation strategy i have five sites i have time zone conflicts all at the time i wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning so yeah so that's that's the that's the difference but in terms of culture i i think that people have been more supportive especially for me like my mentors my first manager and even now my manager they've been very supportive and um, they've been very supportive in terms of my current role and also where i want to go like they've not um pushed me down or told me you know no no this is your job and you got to stay in here as long as you know you want or either leave the company but for me it was them telling me okay what are you looking for for example for me after being an architect i had different pathways i could be a pm like a project manager a product manager a program manager a senior specialist or test leader or test manager you know i know these all these words are these are like words for our viewers but you know what the what these things mean yeah no exactly exactly Uh, and it's pretty inspiring to talk to you about all of this today considering that you've actually been through every step of that journey and now that you've made a name for yourself within the organization that's pretty inspiring so i want to talk to you about what myths do you think have been busted for you in in this role because i'll give you an example if you were to become that sort of a senior leader then maybe you might have to work more maybe your family might have to sacrifice for a little bit So with all of that what do you think like how much of that is just an imposter syndrome and uh how do you comment on on your life quality in general like do you think mm-hmm. it's still pretty stable 
Like, you know, after COVID, we all were working from home, right? So it was kind of easier because because of that. But I would say uh, I also had the same um, thinking as you did before I actually joined the role. I feel like I have more work-life balance than I was working as a software developer myself. It's just that for me personally, it took me about a good eight, nine months to actually understand what I'm responsible for. And um, I, I feel like as long as the business needs are met, it's not about how much hours you put in or how much effort you put in, it's about the impact, right? I, I have a biz degree in business as well. I think that kind of helps me sometimes understand what am I doing? Is it impactful? How would it affect my coworkers? How would it affect my team? How would it affect my customers? So sometimes, you know, you're you're like too much delved into the project or whatever you're working with, you do, you kind of forget the bigger picture, right? So if you just take take a step back and think about the bigger picture, then I think it's easier to do things. As well as the position I am in, I, I, I have learned to be good at delegating work because earlier when I was in my team, I was a person who was like the go-to person who would take on more work just for the heck of learning it. But I guess I've learned it and my manager has been very nice and uh, ex, you know, experienced in this, in this way that they've told me, you know, my, one of my responsibilities in my job is to delegate work. So that's something that I've learned, but uh, but a myth I had was that I had to work and put in extra hours, especially for me, I think it's gotten easier. It's that is amazing around. to understand uh, that you can still retain, like it's, it's, it's like an equation, right? You play around with the variables and you still, let's say, let's say if your goal is to have work 45 hours a week, uh, just hypothetically speaking. So yeah. in that case, you can still play around with the variables and see how you can still achieve the same uh, net result. By yeah. just modifying one one thing or another thing in, in whatever mm -hmm. dimension. That's pretty mm -hmm. cool. And my last question in this regard would be that uh, the personality that you have right now, do you think a part of it uh, was influenced in a way by your uh, by your father? Because I believe that it, since he had been an executive as well, so that there might have been a trickle down effect. How do you comment on the situation? Like, was he helpful in your transformation? I would say definitely, like my dad, he retired as uh, the, the senior director for one of the largest uh, printing ink company in the world that's in Japan. So I would say definitely, like when I grew up, my dad was a senior manager at that point, And then, you know, he grew from ranks from there. And um, yeah, I used to visit him in the office. Sometimes I have to go pick him up. Uh, and I used to see how he was, you know, managing people, delegating the work. And I think it's something that is kind of built in uh, by default, I would say. But yeah, um, I think his communication skills are far better than mine. Uh, <laughs> but um, if I've taken 10% of it, I think I'm lucky. Mm -hmm. Amazing, amazing. Well, thank you so much. And uh, let's just shift gears a bit and change the sure. topic a little bit. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about academics right now. So I understand that you've lived a greater part of your life in Pakistan, and then you moved to Canada, and then you did your undergrad from here. So how can you comment on on the fact that how has this country helped you in uh, reshaping yourself uh, and how's, how had living and studying uh, in Canada had been for you as compared to you being in Pakistan? So um, I did my A-levels in Pakistan, right? But before my O-levels and in between my, between my O-levels and my A-levels, I actually had a chance to go to Oxford University and study there for, for three, four months. I have a diploma in maths and physics. Yeah, I, I got the opportunity. I was in Oriel College in Christchurch for, for three months in for maths and physics. So the cultural shock thing that we talked about, that wasn't that big of a deal because it was a European country and, and you know, Canada and Europe kind of has, you know, similar culture. So 
And I was there for about a good three, four months. And then after my A-levels, I moved to Canada. And a lot of my friends from back home also moved to Canada. So I had a lot of support. But then here, coming here, I found that, um, you know, university over here um, was it was not as challenging, but the, the structure and the format of the examinations were a little different for me. Like, for example, as you know, back home in Pakistan, we've got like mids and then we've got finals, right? Here in computer science, you have like assignments worth 60% there every other week, right? And then you have six courses, you've got like 60 assignments that are worth 60% each course, and then 20% you have your mid and 20% your final. So then the constant, um, you know, need to pay attention and, you know, make sure that you're meeting your deadlines was a little hectic in the start. But then I guess after a year or two, I kind of figured out the way how to do it. And uh, yeah, after a year or two, we kind of get a hang of it. And then I guess um, Canada itself has been really helpful for me, like the people here, uh, my friends in school um, and uh, my professors and everybody has been really cool for, with me. And I guess one more thing that really helped me was especially my grades was after my internship at Ericsson, my grades were really, really good because, you know, uh, when I joined Ericsson, like in your assignments, what you look at is like 200, 300, 1,000 lines of code. That's pretty much it. Yeah. But then when you come to an MNC like Ericsson, they probably, I have, I think they have probably like sixth or the seventh largest code base in the world, right? Wow. So if you look at their code base, you're like, damn, I, you know. <laughs> and then it takes you yeah. a, a good, good amount of few months to actually understand the code base. But once you've yeah. done that, then school is like a piece of cake. Right, right, right. Yeah. Totally understandable. Uh, cool. So is there any memory from university that you still cherish the most? <laughs> um, I guess um, in, not in terms of memories, but I would say friendships for sure. Like I met a few friends who actually work with me here in Ericsson, right? So like my friends, I've been there with them for four or five years at the start of my first year. And then now they're still part of my life because we work together. So I think that's something that I really cherish. Great, great. Um, so you've started working at Ericsson as a co-op, like we, we talked about it before yeah. as well. Um, so, um, in your opinion, do you think it's more beneficial for someone's growth to stay within an organization and grow through the ranks or should they be a switching after a certain while and get more experiences? It's just like moving out of, you know, one place and just going to another for more experience or, or newer perspective, I must say. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, variables in, our, in order to answer this question correctly. There's a lot of variables. I would say the first thing is uh, depends on uh, the job that you have, right? Uh, your first manager kind of, I believe your first manager kind of makes or breaks your career. <laughs> if you if <laughs> if you take my word seriously. Uh, and also the, the kind of things that you're interested in, right? You might be good at something, but you're not really interested in it, right? So it all depends. I think it's all relative, but I would say um, if, again, if you have opportunities that you could foresee, if you have like vertical or horizontal options that you can get to in order to get like an end-to-end -end understanding or in order to, if you don't like this department, you want to do testing, you want to do DevOps. Like for example, Ericsson is a pretty big company, right? You could do DevOps, you could do testing, you could do CI, you could do, you could go deep down into research, right? There's a lot of things, there's a lot of avenues you can go into. So as I would say, as long as you have the opportunities and as long as you like the culture, I think you should stick into it. But if you think that, you know, the culture is kind of toxic or, or you believe that you're not respected or you're not really learning, then, you know, I think uh, it doesn't hurt to, to move as well. Like I had several opportunities to move, but I thought this was the best decision that I've had made so far in the last five, six years. I'd had several opportunities to move, but I didn't really feel the need because 
I always found uh, recognition as well as challenges in the future. So that's what made me stay. So considering that computers is such a fast-paced industry, how do you keep yourself up to date with the changing trends in, in the industry? Um, yeah, I think for that, you got to keep learning. And uh, learning doesn't come in terms of, you know, a very classroom lecture-based learning. It could be different things. For example, I'm driving a couple of AI ML projects, as I've mentioned, for my team. Um, Ericsson has a um, uh, has a certification for AI and ML with Concordia University that I'm part of. So I'm learning from there. And then, you know, blogs, websites, YouTube videos, and all of that stuff. So yeah. I guess learning never stops. And um, I would say I'm a kind of person who does not go for like certifications and stuff. I'm a right. kind of person, uh, if I need to search something, then I'll do it. Like, for example, um, working on Jira, I want to do some project automation on Jira, like how to, you know, pre-fill data for a ticket so do, you don't have to do it manually all the time. I just YouTube it in five minutes and learn how to do that. Right, so right, I, right. I think it depends mm -hmm. on the person. I like, Some people like to take courses some people like to take certifications. Hmm. I've, I, I think I'm, I'm done going to universities for a, for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. The, that's a pretty cool perspective as well. Uh, since you come off as a guy who knows what he's doing, so kindly throw some light on the fact that how did you get, get to connect with your mentors and how have they helped you in transforming yourself into a thought leader that you are today? Um, I would say um, I was very lucky. Uh, I had a couple of uh, managers in Ericsson, like uh, Stefan Dejardin. He was one of my managers um, in one of the QA teams that I'm working for. And um, I, I see that he has helped me uh, really in terms of understanding me because uh, all of my colleagues, they were like, they had a telecom background. I, had, did not, I did not have a telecom background. And he knew that I was not really interested in going, you know, deep down um, horizontally to learn all those things. Like for me, it was either programming or outside direction, right? So I, 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 it, I was lucky enough that um, he was my manager as well as my mentor. And then I've joined some uh, programs within Ericsson that have helped me. There's a, a, a talent hunt program, some I've participated in a couple of hackathons as well. But I would say um, mostly my manager and my dad have been um, the people that I've been inspired uh, most in terms of uh, my career progression. That is amazing. And and now the fact that since your dad has played such a great role in, in, in shaping you into who you are today and instilling that confidence in you. And I must say this for, for our audience over here that when you become a parent, I think it's very, very essential for you to learn from your mistakes. Like let's say if your parents wouldn't have done something that you would have wanted them to do, then maybe you should do that for your kid and help them into building the confidence and teaching them the right things. And I think it is, it is a very sublime experience, I must say. Yeah. Um, so following along those lines, I would want to ask you that, uh, Mashallah, you've, you've recently become a parent as well. Uh, well, it's not too recent, but I mean, uh, considering the fact that you are a young guy and, uh, and so, so is your wife. So I want to understand that how has this change in your life, this, this immense change in your life has uh, impacted your work or maybe your thought process or stuff like that. So I want you to comment on how do you ba balance your work and life and how has your thought process changed after you're a parent now? Mm -hmm. I think that's a very good question. Um, I would say my, my transition from thinking of life is a race to life is a marathon is uh, basically what the change is. Because once you have a kid, right, um, your perspectives change a little bit. 
that's why like people like my friends or some, some young younger people who ask me about you know how we progress in our careers um so i would just suggest them you know before you are in a relationship or get married or you have a kid you have a you know it's it's like a free run that you get so you can do whatever you want you can do experiments and and and, and having a kid doesn't tie you down in doing that but then also you kind of have some responsibilities on you right and uh, i here i think my wife has been really supportive of me in terms of letting me you know she's taken a year and a half off of work and you know she's taking care of the baby mostly i'm just there for like 10 15% of the time and she's taking care of everything else so i guess uh, it's my wife's support that has really helped me in terms of perspectives i would say you know um calm down a little bit <laughs> in terms of uh, in ter- in terms of the in terms of the career and i guess um also once you reach a certain level of seniority then then things get a little bit slow uh, anyway for example senior specialist if you want to become for example a technical director and from there you want to become like a vp or something or a cto that that time t- that takes a lot of time because that's something that that really comes from experience you wouldn't see a lot of ctos that are under 30 35 especially for mncs so yeah i guess um Uh, I guess it's also important to make these moves uh, before you're in your, you know, late twenties or early thirties. So then the gap is very less, because then it right. takes you a lot of years to make that gap up. Okay. So yeah. You, no. No. For progress sure. Progress from a junior to a senior in a three yeah. four years. Yeah. And then a technical leadership. Let's say after five or six years for career, I think that's pretty good. Amazing. Otherwise, Amazing. it's yeah. going to take a lot of time to catch up. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, exactly, exactly. Uh, so let's change change the gears a little bit yeah. again, and let's move to the fun side of the conversation. Uh, and honestly, thank you so much once again. I'm having a great time right now. Um, yeah, me too. So <laughs> thank you so much. Um, so let me ask you this: What things excite you in life in general? Uh, what things excite me in life in general? Um, I would say um, looking at my daughter is probably yeah. something that excites me a lot. Like waking up next to her. and seeing her you know from being a baby to crawling to walking yeah i yeah. i never thought i'd had an experience like that i couldn't yeah. even relate when my sisters had had those yeah. moments so i yeah. think that really excites me another thing that excites me is is yeah. you know um the living with my partner like my wife um mm-hmm. she's been there for me for thick through thick and thin and i guess yeah. um yeah uh, having uh having that peace inside my heart that she's going to be with me uh, she's going to have my back whatsoever i yeah. think that's that's something really exciting and this is i think one of the good things about uh, our culture as well that uh once we establish a strong foundation by having a stronger family connection i think that gives a gives us a lot of mental peace as well as gives us a very fresh perspective of life as well that that maybe one of the things is that you are more uh, more aware of yourself that you know whatever you were doing your actions will have an effect so you you would strive for you know doing good things in life that that it's that stage right now that you can't just do whatever you want right <laughs> <laughs> that time's over <laughs> yeah exactly exactly anyways tapping into your imagination if you had a superpower to solve one global issue what what is it going to be uh well um a lot of people are yeah. going to probably find this weird but mm-hmm. um i would want a world without any borders cool so i would say that you know you don't you don't have borders because the thing is uh generally there are good people and bad people everywhere in the world uh but once you have borders once you have governments and you know the bureaucracies and the armies and then i think that's basically give something that gives birth to selfishness 
and yeah, if we were if we were part of one big place, like a decentralized living, I'm I, I would be for that. Crypto guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. I'll I'll agree to that as well. That even after visiting like 14, 15 countries, I still think that when wherever you travel to, there's always going to be something new that you learn over there. And you're like, man, I was so oblivious to this yeah. that you know life has this face as well. And it's pretty cool yeah. that piece by piece, you broaden your horizon, you understand cultures, you understand people a lot better. And in doing so, maybe you get to improve yourself a bit as well. And that's Definitely. very fascinating to me. Uh, so moving on, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would give this yeah. advice to uh, myself. Uh, I would say um, tra travel more for sure. Yeah. Um, take some time off uh, of work and travel and travel mm. by yourself. Yeah. Um, to understand yourself, because I, I I feel yeah. like a lot of people just don't know themselves, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. that's one advice I would give to my younger self. Yeah. And uh, also to calm down a little bit. Everything will happen yeah. in good time. Yeah. No, exactly, and and that's where I would advocate the fact that I had the privilege of having an amazing guy as my first manager in my career as well. And not only was he good in engineering solutions, I was amazed by what perspective he has for life and how he helped me transform into uh, looking at things from a lot of different perspectives that, you know, take it easy. And yeah, piece yeah. by piece, things are going to fall into place and just be, have an open mind, have an open heart and just be cool, right? Just enjoy yeah. the process. Your time is going to come for sure if you keep yeah. consistent, just, you know, be cool. <laughs> Sure. Anyways, so lastly, do you have an active LinkedIn presence? Yes, I have a LinkedIn uh, account. So yeah, sure. Nice, if people cool. want to uh, yeah. follow me, you can pop up the link um, yeah. somewhere in the video. Somewhere yeah, sounds there, good. In the video. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> cool, sounds good. Well, that will uh, wrap up the conversation. Thank you so much once again for uh, having this chat with us, Atif. I had a great time and I'm sure that our audience are going to have a great time and in getting some key takeaways from our conversation. And this podcast is going to be available on all major platforms. And if you like the content, please feel free to like, share and subscribe. And most importantly, provide us with your feedback in the comments. And with that, stay tuned and uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Take care.